The Italian Wine Podcast is the community-driven platform for Italian wine geeks around the world. Support the show by donating at italianwinepodcast.com. Donate five or more euros and we'll send you a copy of our latest book, My Italian Grape Geek Journal, absolutely free. To get your free copy of My Italian Grape Geek Journal, click support us at italianwinepodcast.com or wherever you get your pods. Grazie mille. Welcome to Masterclass U.S. Market with me, Juliana Colangelo. This show has been designed to demystify the U.S. market for Italian wineries through interviews with experts in sales and distribution, social media, communications, and so much more. We will quiz each of our esteemed guests at the end of each episode to solidify the lessons that we've learned. So sharpen your pencils, get out your notebooks, and join us each week to learn more about the U.S. market. Okay, so I'm really excited about this session. I'm Felicity Carter, and uh, this last year I started podcasting with a friend of mine, Erica Ducey. We, we did the Business of Drinks podcasting. We've made a lot of mistakes, but it's one of the most fun things I've done. I was thrilled to be asked to moderate this panel because we have some absolute superstar podcasters on the panel. So to my right is MJ Towler. He's the host and executive producer and creator of the Black Wine Guy Experience podcast. To my left is Giuliana Colangelo, who is with the Italian Wine Podcast. And to my far left is Adam Tita, who's an absolute star of podcasting. He's the founder and CEO of Vine Pair and has launched one of the most successful wine podcasts in the world. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to get them all to introduce themselves and talk about their podcasting. And then what we're going to do is we're going to talk about things like how you get on a podcast, how you pitch, how you get your product on, and uh, how you evaluate a podcast. And hopefully by the end of it, I'll have enthused you all and you'll all go out and start your own podcasts. So MJ, can you talk about your podcast? What I would say when it comes to podcasts is follow the anecdotal evidence, okay? So earlier this year, season five, episode 105, Food and Wine, Unpacking the Universal Language with Bernardino Sani. I'm not saying if you come on my podcast, you're going to have the wine of the year, but maybe I am saying that. Um, <laughs> uh, so, um, yeah, so I started my podcast, The Black Wine Guy Experience, uh, in 2000 and, uh, 2020, so we're three years old. I just released episode 135 last week with bonus episodes, probably around 150 episodes. I came out the gate strong. I mean, I don't want to call myself a superstar, but when I launched my podcast and by launching it, I did crack the top 20 of the Apple uh, podcast chart. So my first week I was number 17 in the, the entire food category going on, um, have, uh, hit a lot of charts on good pods, uh, and taking it beyond, uh, wine, but also into lifestyle and philosophy. So, um, my podcast is an interview style. So I, uh, sit down with guests and it's also long format. The shortest podcast I had was 54 minutes. That was with Gary Vaynerchuk. That's because Gary Vaynerchuk charges $150,000 for an hour. So I'll take an hour of his time any day, but typically it's long form and it's resonating with people. I, I think when you talk to Adam and Juliana, there's are more, I think people are going to uh, learn more because I'm just trying to bring out the stories and why people do learn a lot. But I don't come in with a set of questions. I don't really like to get too much into terroir and rootstock and clonal selection. Uh, for me, what makes this beverage so wonderful is it brings people together to have conversations. So that's what we do on my podcast. Great. Uh, I want to know how you got into the top 20. I'm going to come back to that. Julia, can you talk about the Italian wine podcast? 
Sure. I can definitely talk about the Italian wine podcast, but I also hope I can offer some perspective on this panel around how you evaluate podcasts from a communications agency perspective as well. But the Italian wine podcast, the largest wine podcast, Steve is not in the room, but I'm glad she's not here. She's not going to quiz me. But I joined in March as a host. There are uh, multiple hosts and there is a show published every single day. So it's putting out content every single day. So the way they accomplish that is by having multiple hosts. So I took over the B2B show from Steve Ray back in March. So retitled it Masterclass U.S. Wine Market. And the format is really to give insights and valuable information about the U.S. market for listeners who are both from the U.S. and Italy as well as other international markets. So we cover topics like how to work the Florida market or, you know, later today there's a session, how to master influencer marketing, you know, that is going to be a podcast episode as well. So really things that will give people insights and tools that they can action into their marketing sales strategies for the U.S. market. That is what we do. Adam. As a media company, we built a podcast network. Um, So we publish four individual shows. We reach so about 250,000 or quarter million uh, listeners every month to these podcasts. The four are the Vine Pair podcast, which is the flagship podcast. That's um, the podcast that I'm one of the co-hosts about. That's our sort of talker, if you will, right? We sit around and we discuss the business of alcohol every single week on a Friday show and a Monday show. The co-hosts are myself, the editor-in-chief, um, Joanna Chirino, and then we have a, a beverage professional that uh, comes in from Seattle, Zach Jabal. Then we have uh, a wine education podcast called Wine 101 that publishes every single week, hosted by our tastings director, Keith Beavers, uh, that looks at regions, um, styles, etc., and he, he takes 20 minutes to basically help teach you something about wine every single week. We have Cocktail College, which is hosted by our managing editor, Tim McCurdy. Um, that's a podcast show about a very famous drink every single week. So Tim sits down with a very well-known bartender. They talk about one drink, and then they also get into the bartender's life, profession, etc., and then the fourth podcast is called Tap Lines, and that is our beer podcast, uh, looking at really important moments in beer throughout the history of craft beer and hosted by Dave Infante, who's a James Beard award-winning beer writer. Um, we've used these podcasts to build off each other, right? So some of the people who listen to Vine Pair listen to one or more of the others. Some people who listen to Wine 101 only listen to Wine 101, right? But we've used this as a way to continue to build the audience and sort of grow the network of people that listen to it. Adam, how much does the, the, the or how much do the podcasts feed into your other media properties? Do you do they stand alone, or do you use them as the basis for articles? How does it work? So we we use them uh, in a variety of ways. Uh, you know, a lot of the topics for the Vine Pair podcast come out of editorial meetings. So today, you know, the show that published yesterday about ABV wines or anything but vinifera wines was a conversation that started in the editorial meeting that we felt was a was better fit for a conversation than an article about this movement and our take on it. Um, you know, Cocktail College is a great example because it's it establishes relationships for us with very well-known bartenders, and then other articles come out of those conversations, right? Some of these bartenders wind up writing for us. Uh, you know, Tim gets great ideas about cocktails that we should talk about or trends that we're seeing. Um, so it, it all fits into the world together. You know, Wine 101 obviously sort of goes back to our original ethos of education. Um, and so is helping to continue to make sure that we are the leader there and making, you know, and teaching people about wine. Um, so yeah, everything feeds into itself, into 
everything else. So I'll, st- I'll stay with you. Let's talk about audience. Who is your audience? How do you know who is your audience mm-hmm. and how do you build your audience? So the audience is very greatly by podcast. The Vine Pair audience for the flagship is professionals. It is a, it's a business podcast, right? We're talking about trends, stock prices. You know, two weeks ago was a very critical conversation about the Dow purchase. So you're in the industry and we know who it is because we survey the audience and they also email a lot, right? So we, yeah. So we had, so for the viral podcast, we have probably the top executives at every major alcohol company that listen to it. Mm-hmm. Um, for Wine 101, it is, it's interesting. We thought we were going to get consumers, but we also, Keith gets a lot of actual professionals who use the show to actually pass their exams. Um, so it, it's very regularly that someone from Vine Pro will be out to dinner and the Psalm on the floor will come up and say, I listen to Wine 101. It's the whole reason that I became a Psalmer. It's how I passed my advanced, et cetera, which is awesome. Um, Cocktail College is mostly enthusiasts and professionals as well, right? So, and again, a lot of that is because they email into us and then we talk to them and then we get lots of, um, you know, stats from the platforms we use to, to upload the shows. So Juliana, what do you know about your audience? Our audience is primarily business and trade as well, like Adam said, for uh, one of their podcasts. So we're getting anyone from, you know, a winemaker, an export director, a marketing manager. But even though it's called the Italian Wine Podcast, it is largely actually U.S. predominantly audience. So uh, I think that might be a common misconception. But it is still a global audience. Their second market is Italy. uh, But there are also listeners around the world. So, but it is predominantly trade for our audience. Okay. Who's... Um, two questions to you. Who's your audience and how did you get in the top 20 out of the game? Sure. Who did you pay? Sure. I didn't pay anybody. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah. So my audience, I would say um, it's probably 60, 40 um, male to female. And I think it skews also 60, 40 um, or maybe even higher 70, 30 industry. Um, because I think um, – what's theirs is purely education, not purely educational, but mine falls in the edutainment. So I have so many people listening to it because, um, there's winemakers on, or there's, uh, importers. And, you know, I've had people email me, um, you know, I went to college with that guy and he talked more on your, your show than he did in our freshman year in college. Um, or, uh, guests will come on. Like I've never told this story before. So I think uh, there's a, a deep industry insight and in finding out more about people because we don't, most people weren't talking about themselves. They come on, they talk again about like the vintage, um, you know, the barrel selection, things like that. And, and my podcast has given people an opportunity to um, just tell their story and connect with people on a deeper level. Um, the the key to launching a pod is, is, is you have to launch something, right? So um, when, when a plane takes off, the, the pilot does not um, just go down the road when he puts it full throttle. So the, the key to launching a podcast is to have like stack three to five episodes and then release them on the same day because then you get three or five times the amount of downloads. So that's how that happened. Oh, great. That's what a, what a great tip. Juliana, tell, tell us how important podcasts are. Talk about the podcast landscape and where it sits in terms of overall wine communication. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, wine is inherently visual, right? As a product, it's also tactile. So we have to think about podcasts in a different way than other media platforms. But I think there's incredible opportunity with podcasts for reaching the broad consumer. Uh, they are 
more and more people are listening to podcasts. And also research is showing that more and more people are, are buying things based on recommendations from podcast ads as well. So I think as a wine industry, we need to look at the opportunities with podcasts for reaching the broad consumer. Um, I think also as a barrier to entry, podcasts have relatively lower cost points when it comes to advertisement as opposed to, let's say, a traditional print ad with a media company like the New York Times. You could run podcast ads, for example, with the New York Times on one of their podcasts for six months for starting from around $6,500. Um, it's going to get you about 200,000 impressions. That's not a lot. It's still a really high CPM, but it's a way to get into a, a media platform like the New York Times without running a very expensive print ad or even a digital ad campaign. So um, I'd say for, for the wine industry, they're, I think, right now underutilized when it comes to reaching mainstream consumers. And I think that's where there's a big opportunity. Obviously, up here, we're talking a lot about B2B uh, podcasts. That's an opportunity as well, depending on your objectives. So um, if you're a new brand trying to reach new audiences or trying to break into a market, a B2B podcast has a as a great opportunity for you. But if you're a well-established brand with great distribution, you should be looking at consumer-focused podcasts as well. And, and how do you know which podcast to approach? I mean, analytics can be quite hard with podcasts. So mm-hmm. how would, if somebody, if a producer came to you and, and said, I want to be on a podcast, what strategy would you, you use? How would you evaluate a podcast? I think first starting with what their objective is. Are they trying to move a particular product? Um, are they looking to push a travel experience? So let's say they want to push a winery visitation experience. Looking at travel podcasts would be the right place to start. Then looking more closely at demographics. Is their target, are they a winery in California and their target demographic is predominantly West Coast based? Then perhaps looking for those podcasts that reach that audience as well. Um, so that's one way to evaluate. I think you also want to look at just pure numbers and the reach. So how many average downloads per month is that podcast getting? Again, what's the CPM? So what, what's the value you're getting for the spend um, in terms of the advertisement that you're placement, placing? Um, and then I think you're also evaluating the hosts. You're evaluating, is this a topic that aligns with my brand? Do we share values? Is the host someone that I want representing my brand? Because most often podcast ads are read by the host, not by the brand. So you want someone that can give you third-party credibility that also identifies with your brand. Those are a few things that we would look at. So can I add something to that? So to kind of dovetail on what Juliana said, I think though, before you're looking at the download numbers, you really need to look at the, um, the cost per acquisition of a customer, right? So for my podcast, I interview a lot of boutique um, winemakers and wineries that do direct to consumer. If someone, if the lifetime value of your customer, let's say just for instance, you do twice a year, you do six bottle release, hundred bucks a bottle, it's twelve hundred a year. Um, well, how long do people stay on your list, right? So if someone stays on your list ten years, then that's twelve thousand dollars, right? So if it costs you eight thousand dollars to sponsor. Uh, eight episodes of a podcast, um, but over lifetime. So, you, so there's so, or just even one episode, like taking that. And these things run forever. That's the thing; they're evergreen, right? So they 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 hang out there a lot. Like uh, newspaper ads are great, print ads, but um, they go on the coffee table. Whereas every week, um, someone will find a podcast, and then they'll go back and through the catalog. So um, the numbers are important, but also, like you said, I think the host as a host, I think what works is people. 
people really get to know the host. Like sometimes it's scary. People, I'm like, you actually don't know me. Stop coming to my Instagram DMs, um, asking for free advice. But, um, you know, uh, it is fun, uh, to get that relationship with people. And, um, so it is Julian about a lot of things in there, but really it, the host and the relationship with the brand is so important as a right. host as well. And I think I just, you know, add to that, that, um, you're thinking about the host and what they're recommending, right? So if you recommend a wine as NJ, you know, in your podcast, you know, it, it's credible. Yeah. Um, you know, I buy fitness products from a, a running podcast I listen to. If she recommended a wine, I'm probably not going to buy it. You're not going to buy a uh, wine? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but if she's recommending a supplement or a pair of shoes, I might buy them. So it's also looking at what's the topic of their podcast. Does it align with what you're selling? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it, it might be time to talk about the relationship with the host. There's a lot of research about what makes podcasts so effective is what's called a parasocial relationship. So when you're listening to a podcast, you've got it in your ears when you're running or, or doing whatever. And, and it, you can actually feel an, an intimacy with the host. And you get a lot of feedback from yeah. people. What's your experience of this relationship? Oh, they, they know everything about me. It's, I think also they feel very comfortable. I mean, I, yeah, I've gotten so many conversations, so many emails congratulating me on the birth of my daughter. I mean, it's, it's, it's a lot of stuff. Um, and they, there's a comfort there. They feel like they can give you very, uh, also frank feedback, right? We get, we get the frankest feedback about the entire media product from the podcast listeners. What's the frankest feedback? You've oh, heard? the volume is too low. Dan just shared that with us earlier. <laughs> you know, so, uh, how do you, how do you fix audio, et cetera? I mean, Keith gets DMS all the time about, you know, topics and regions they want him to cover and people feel very comfortable doing that. And, you know, we really don't get like a lot of letters to the editor in the same way for the written products. It's like, Oh, I know you, you're my friend. I know what your voice sounds like. Uh, you know, people wind up just kind of revealing a lot about their personality through audio. Mm -hmm. And so you really do feel like you are friends with these people. The, even the podcast that I listen to personally, I, I feel that way. Um, I don't email in, but I, do, <laughs> but I do feel that way. And so I think that also allows you as, the creator of the podcast to help make shows that are more tailored to the actual listeners because they do share and the feedback is really helpful. So when we think about, okay, I mean the Vine Fair podcast for a perfect example, right? When it started, it's much more of just like a podcast about like wine topics that we were interested in and, and spirits topics, et cetera. And we had more guests. And then we realized about three years ago that the audience was 100% industry professionals, right? And they, all they wanted was the business topics. They wanted us to talk about purchases and marketing strategies, things like that, because it was helping their jobs better. So we stopped doing, you know, the podcasts about, Hey, let's talk about Merlot that completely ended because we were getting that feedback from the listeners. And then we saw the listenership grow, right? So those are the things that you're able to do because they feel so comfortable emailing you. Well, let's talk about your, um, your listeners, what sort of relationship do you have with them? Oh, it's, um, it's like I said, it's, it's, it's a very intimate form of communication. Um, I often joke, I'm like anyone who takes uh, 90 minutes to two hours out of the week to listen to my dumb ass talk while I'm drinking wine, I'm very grateful for. Um, and that, that's what it is. People do get to know you. People um, want to, they want to show you, I get DMs of, I bought that wine or like, you know, um, and they're really excited uh, uh, because they, 
they get to know, like, and trust you. I mean, at the end of the day, that's what sales is, is no, you buy from people, you know, like, and trust. Um, and it, and I never thought of, but yeah, people are on their Peloton or they're running and you're, you're literally in their head. Um, which is kind of scary, but, um, yeah, uh, my listeners are incredible. I mean, I do, I get, you get the feedback. Um, that was a great episode. You do get the, the volume thing sometimes. Uh, but, uh, it's always interesting. And for me, um, I, I, my podcast is about who did I think was cool that I want to have a bottle of wine with. Right. So that's, that was the, the premise. Um, I didn't know what it was going to take off like this. So I was like, well, I, I think this person would be cool to drink uh, wine with to get to know their story. And um, that is kind of caught on. Um, it does become, an, for me, when people, when I get pitched, I don't know if you want to move there, but when I get pitched, it's about, I'm like, the guest has to be willing to talk about their life. I'm not going to talk, ask them any questions about what's on a tech sheet. So if they don't want to come to be prepared to talk about their life, it's not a good fit. I'm like, listen to my podcast. It's just, it's very natural. It's very organic. It's a conversation. Um, I'm very improvisational. I have the most scripted part is I rarely show it's a warm up and it helps me get rapport with people. I call it 20 questions, MJ, but then it's like, where'd you grow up? And then I'm just start listening and I'm listening for for a hook or for something that I can unpack that I think would uh, provide value to the listeners. Do you get feedback from your listeners, Julian? I think the Italian Wine Podcast is unique in the sense that it's a community because there's multiple hosts. So I'm one of five, six hosts at this point. Um, so I get a lot of feedback on LinkedIn. So I feel like I'm getting feedback through a professional network um, as well as on social media. And that was another thing I'd add is you want to look at when you're evaluating a podcast too, what's the reach on social media as well of that podcast host of the podcast, because that's the format too, where people can provide feedback. If they don't feel like writing into an email, they can share the episode, they can comment on the post. Um, but I have received feedback that people are getting valuable information. They like the format, um, but I just started in March, so not nearly as experienced as these guys, but, you know. What do you, know, think, about, what, what do you think about the, the relationship that people have with hosts? Do you think this makes podcasts a more effective form of media than others, or do you think that it's just a different form of media? Yeah. I, I think it's just a different form. Um, I mean, I think it can be more effective in terms of uh, that third-party credential when it comes to a paid placement and an ad, I think because people form that relationship with the host and they trust them. But I do think it's it's a different form of media than what someone's seeing online or in print um, because, it's again, it's a more personal relationship and also the format in which they're listening, the occasion, in the car, at the gym, like MJ was saying, is, is different as well. Okay, so one, one thing that happens when you do a podcast is your LinkedIn immediately fills up with people pitching themselves to be on a podcast. <laughs> yep. um, I, somebody, somebody has written a book somewhere that says, if you want to build your career, be on a podcast. It's amazing. Adam, how do people get themselves on your podcast? What, what is the way to pitch you? So I think MJ says something really important, and that's you need to listen first. You need to have listened to the podcast. So, for example, for the Vine Pair podcast, you don't get yourself on the podcast. We don't have guests. So, you know, the amount of times we get, if you pitch us to be on that podcast, we immediately know you've never listened to it. Um, Whereas, you know, with Cocktail College, you know, you need to know what cocktails has Tim covered, who is the bartender, like why, why is this person so specialized that they can come in and talk about like how they become known for the gimlet, right? Out of all the drinks, that's what you're pitching, not just, oh, they like to make the gimlet so they should come on. Like they need to have 
become well-known in their own space, even if they're, you know, wherever they are for that one cocktail, if that's the cocktail you're pitching. Uh, same when we talk about tap lines. And then, yeah, Keith doesn't have guests either. So again, it's thinking about what the podcast is. So for us, like maybe you pitch me a topic, like, hey, I really love the Vine Pair podcast. Would you guys would be willing to talk about X, Y, or Z in the business? And that's maybe a way that we talk about something that's related to you or your brand or, you know, the area that you operate in, but we wouldn't have you on. Right. And your thoughts? Oh, yeah. Um, for me, it's... You, you got to be interesting. I mean, like, just to, be, just to be honest, you have to be interesting. And, um, you know, Adam said it, like, I can tell when someone hasn't, a PR person hasn't listened to my podcast, you know, um, just how the pitch comes in, you know, uh, that what's been nice about, uh, my show is that, like I said, I started, I picked all the guests for a long, I mean, I mean, the first season I picked all the guests except, like one was recommended. That was great. That was, but yeah, someone, but, uh, and then it was recommendations. It was like, oh my God, this was really great. I'm, you know, this was a, a, the most fun I've had on a podcast. You should interview X. And just like we're talking about that trust and knowing people. So if I had a good time with a guest and they recommended someone, um, it was more likely for me to, uh, want to sit down with them. I had one of my favorite guests did come from a listener though, because it's the listening, right? Um, they're like, you might not have heard this guy. Um, he's he's kind of a badass. He's really cool. His name is Michael Jurgens. He's an MW candidate. And he's also a partner with Deloitte, right? So I was like, I have to interview this guy because who the f- is a partner with Deloitte and is becoming an MW? Why? Why? <laughs> you know? And and then <laughs> and written four books on wine and still a partner at Deloitte and got tattoos. It was, it, was, it was incredible. And that was a listener, but the listener knew because of my style and the people I like to interview, like he was not on my radar. You know, I mean, there's so many people here who are incredible pursuing Masters of Wine, but they're not necessarily on my radar because of how I came in the business. Italian Wine Podcast, part of the Mama Jumbo Shrimp family. To get on my show, you have to listen to it. You have to, and you have to be willing to to uh, talk about your life because um, that's what I do. I, I I'm not going to get a chance. To, I may never get another chance to sit down with uh, this person, right? So I want to find out and I want to unpack their life. Kind of one of my inspirations was uh, Tim Ferriss, right? So Tim Ferriss kind of is a, has one of the most successful podcast ever, if not the most successful podcast ever. And what he does, he deconstructs successful people's lives. So he'll have everybody on, but they're talking about their life. So you get to see how they got there. And I think it's really important in wine because there's so many intelligent people from incredible backgrounds who I fell into this. Um, and uh, it just, that provides a connection with people. And just last thing I'll say, like I have a friend who does not drink at all. Not, he just doesn't drink. And he listens to the podcast for the stories. And I remember... Um, I had on a woman, Sharon Daster, who was the first ever uh, female um, program director for a major radio station. She ran Z100 in New York at its heyday. And she's just a wine lover. I, and I pitched her. She was on TV. I saw her. She was at EMP and she's drinking all these incredible wines. And she was excited to come on. And my, my friend said, he said, I love that podcast with that woman. He's like, he's like, you know, um, 
she she was in the band in high school. I was in the band in high school. She was a music director. I was a DJ. She majored in marketing. I majored in marketing. He doesn't even drink. He's listening for the stories. And that's um, why the people have to be interesting and talk about their life, right? So, um, so Julian, I've got a two-part question for you. First of all, how do you find your guests? And secondly, how do you... What is the benefit to people of being on a podcast from a communications point of view? Uh, when would you recommend somebody pitch a podcast? Mm-hmm. Um, so the first part of the question, I'm picking most of the guests. I'm, and to be honest, I'm picking people that mostly I know. Um, I also get recommended guests as well. But the reason I'm currently picking people I know is, again, is in, in the ninth month. So I, I still have that opportunity to, to interview all my friends and colleagues. But it's because I know their stories and their backgrounds and the conversation, I think, is a lot more natural when you know your guests. Um, and I think you can dive into other topics. There's just a familiarity and a comfort level. Um, yesterday, I interviewed two colleagues that are presenting later today, Amanda and Kristen, and the conversation flowed so well because we know each other very well. And I think those conversations result in more dynamic interviews. So for now, I'm picking people that I think have interesting backgrounds, have something unique to offer when it comes to, to the U.S. market and to the topic. I'm discussing, um, but I'm also open, you know, to recommendations, and I've I've been receiving some of some inquiries as well. And then to the second part of your question, when to pitch? Um, I think going back to what both Adam and MJ said, listen to the podcast first that you want to pitch and understand what they talk about. Make sure your pitch is tailored. You can't take a, um, you know, when we when we pitch wine, we often pitching tasting the wine or meeting the winemaker. Those same types of of pitches don't work for podcasts. You have to be topically minded. So what is a topic and a theme that this person can speak about that's interesting, unique, but also relevant to the audience that you're pitching and to the host that you're pitching? So if you want to be on a more mainstream general news style podcast, what can your um, client or what can you talk about? Can you talk about climate change? Can you talk about um, sustainability. Can you talk about the economy? Can you talk about things that are going on in the world that, you know, you have a perspective on and that you have a credi- credible stance to, to have a position on? So I'd say, uh, it's knowing, it's knowing your assets in terms of what you're pitching. And if you don't have that right person or you don't have that story, consider placing an ad instead and, and, and working with podcasts in that direction. If you don't feel like you have the, what it takes to, to earn what we call earned media. Um, for for a podcast, but uh, yeah, that's that's what I would okay. add there. So um, let's talk about money, um, which is <laughs> I think why everybody turned up to this this thing. So um, there are different ways of uh, using podcasts um, for advertising. Um, so Adam, how do people touch your audience? What what avenues have they got? Do you do do you accept uh, product placement? Do you accept advertising? What's your what's your route to financial success? Yeah. So we do both uh, ad reads as well as sponsored episodes. Um, so for two of our podcasts, for Cocktail College and for Wine 101, those are fully bought out by one company. So Gallo owns the podcast of Wine 101 for the last four years. They're the only advertiser. They run all their wines at the beginning and the end of the podcasts. And Diageo is the advertiser on Cocktail College. So all of their different spirits, right? They're ad reads. We... Uh, our partnerships team works with their brands to write the ad reads so that they come off as more authentic, but that's how those podcasts work. We don't do sponsor podcast episodes with those brands, but they want to be surrounded by, they, they want to surround those two, those 
products because they know who the listenership is. For the um, Vine Pair podcast, we will do sponsored episodes. So, um, you know, we'll talk about a specific topic. And that is the one place where we would have a guest who would come on and talk for 30 minutes about this thing. So when we worked with uh, LVMH to help them launch Le Grand Dame, the winemaker came on and we had a 30-minute podcast about Le Grand Dame and what made the champagne different, unique, etc. And they saw that as an important aspect of the larger partnership that they ran with us. So it's very rare with anyone that we run a podcast episode as the only thing they do with us. It's usually part of a much larger program um, as a way that they're trying to reach our audience. And what about you financially? Um, Ad reads, yeah. yeah. And, and they're in packages and, uh, you know, a pre-roll and then a mid-roll ad read. And same, um, I can write the copy because I write copy, but um, I will often will have their creative put together and then I MJFI it because it, it comes through my tone and then I send it back to them and I've never had an ad that they didn't love. Um, so uh, just because you know, it's weird talking about yourself. Apparently, I have a good voice. I don't know. It doesn't sound in my head. It doesn't sound the way it sounds. You guys like the first time I heard in my pocket is like, that's me talking. Um, so, yeah, ad reads. And then I also if someone wanted to do a branded podcast, I did do a, um, a two podcast uh, uh, with a DTC company and they were branded specifically for them. So I also offer that if people find that they like my converse, my interview style and want to do that, I, I'm available to do that. So the, those are the two methods. Right. There's a there's a um, big debate in media about long form versus short form. Now, you're long form, you're short form. Give me the rundown of why short form is, is better. The Italian Wine Podcast is putting out a show every single day. So I think for the sheer frequency of the podcast, the short form works better because people are tuning in feasibly every day. Um, so for the short form for us as well, I think for my show in particular, it works well because I'm looking to give just three clear takeaways from the episode. So I want the information to be really digestible. Uh, so I'm not trying to tackle a huge topic or an entire biography, but rather a very singular topic. Uh, and I think that's why the short form works well. It's digestible for the listener. Adam, you have you? We, I mean, we run the gamut, uh, the, I think the discussion podcast, they're allowed to go a little bit longer. Um, the education podcast, we try to keep around 20, 25 minutes. The, you know, the piece of advice that we got 10 years ago, we started creating this from other media professionals was you kind of want to think about your length as the length of someone's commute, right? Because if they get to their destination and they have five minutes left of the podcast, they may not come back to it on their way home, right? They go to something else. So you want to think about how do we, and the average commute for the, an American is 30 minutes, right? So that's kind of what we think about. Um, but then there's podcasts that I listen to that are like, you know, hour, hour and 15 that are business podcasts that I really enjoy. And I will, co- I will go to those. But then you really have to have a very loyal audience. Your thoughts? Well, I'm long form. So, um, <laughs> and again, when I started the podcast, it was, I modeled it after Tim Ferriss. He's long form and Joe Rogan. I mean, Joe Rogan sold his podcast. Joe Rogan has four hour podcasts. I don't know who listens to those shits, but, um, and you know, he Spotify bought them for 200 million. I mean, so there's, it, it is just what your objective is, you know, as I'm growing this and learning more, going back to what I majored in college, but media, that might shift, but I really, I know I think this would be, this would be a, a flagship podcast for me because it, um, the people who have asked to come on have, have really blown me away. Uh, and, uh, so I just think it, it, 
it's two things, right? The commute makes sense. But like I said, when people invest that time in you, then it, it goes a long way when you're asking them to, um, you know, when you, when you come to your call of action, if they're willing to listen to you for that long, um, you can take them to a, a direction uh, that can yield a good ROI for your advertiser. Okay. Mistakes. What mistakes have you made that you wouldn't do again, Adam? Uh, well, I mean, the first mistakes we made were we didn't initially invest in quality audio. Yeah. So like you, you know, you lose the, you know, we were like, oh yeah, we're going to buy a mic off of Amazon and we're going to this office that happens to be like all glass <laughs> and it's going to, and like, it just, you lose, you know, so when Dan gave me that feedback this morning, you take audio feedback very seriously because you will lose people immediately if the audio quality isn't high and they have to either turn you up too loud or they, you know, they have trouble hearing or there's feedback. So we think about that a lot. So we invested in a studio. Um, but that was a big mistake early on. Um, I think as well from the beginning, we kind of allowed ourselves to be all over the place and then realized, as I said, about three or four years ago that focusing very, very tightly on a theme for each of these podcasts is actually how we are able to continue to build a loyal audience. And then for every podcast, except for the Vine Pair one, we are a big believers in evergreen content. So what we see happen with Wine 101 or Cocktail College is that someone might first discover, you know, the most recent podcast, but then they go back and go deep and they'll listen to 10 more episodes, 15 more episodes. And then we hook them as a listener. Whereas just the nature of the Vine Pair podcast I mean, there's so much that's already changed about the Dow purchase in the last two weeks that like what we said when it first happened isn't as relevant as it is now. Like even the stock price that I'm talking about isn't the same stock price, right? So that podcast, we really, that that's the, re the listenership that we need to be current, but I, I'm a huge fan of evergreen content. What about you, Juliana? What would you do differently? I'm going to answer this question from the communications agency okay. standpoint. Instead, I think I'll have more relevant information there. But I think from an earned media perspective, make sure you're media trained and you've practiced. Um, learn how to answer questions concisely, clearly, speak slowly, speak clearly. Um, if you are pitching yourself, you know, know those things and understand what you want to get out of the interview too. What are the main points that you want to tell? So basic media training principles. And when we've had people go on podcasts that aren't media trained, it's, it's not as effective or as successful. And then with advertising tracking, you know, incorporate an offer or something that you can track with a link or a discount code, whether you're advertising an event, a visitation, um, or, you know, it's harder obviously with imported wine, but a particular wine product. Um, so that you can actually measure the ROI and the effectiveness of that ad that you ran. I also think um, with ads, think about repetition. Uh, Adam mentioned like longer term partnerships or multifaceted partnerships with advertisers. And I think that's really important. I mean, one ad on one podcast episode once, probably not going to give you a, a really strong ROI. I think more successful it's series and or sponsoring an entire series or multiple episodes. Disasters. Mistakes, things you wouldn't do again. Episode two, we drank three bottles of wine. <laughs> we're never, I learned a lot that time. And I was like, no, we're not doing that again. That's like maybe the only episode we had to edit because it just, it went off the rails. <laughs> so, yeah. And, and that's the thing. We like, we, 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 I drink on my podcast. So it's like we, you know, um, and, but yeah, that was, 
learn that one quickly that you, you got to pace yourself. Okay. What I'm going to do is, is throw it to the audience now. Do you have any questions you'd like our amazing panel to answer? Questions? Stevie. Yeah. So I just wanted to say something about the evergreen status. Okay. Because how many episodes have you got, Adam? I don't know. Globally, total. How many episodes do we have, Josh? Do you know? Josh. More than 500. Are you sure? Because the evergreen aspect, I discovered that, first of all, Italian Mind Podcast, Julia has one series, right? The U, uh, U.S. Market series. We're up to uh, 1,600, I believe, okay? Because we're very prolific. We don't care about the quality, right? Only quantity. Okay. <laughs> Having said that, the evergreen part I've discovered, which I want to share with you, is that most of the platforms will carry 500 episodes. Beyond that... They do not stay evergreen unless you put it manually to a third-party aggregator. So this is actually we're doing that right now because we discovered all of a sudden that the podcasts are not available in all of the different platforms because we are available through 200 channels, right? But once you get to 500, Josh. What's 500 Okay, so you have like four. Yeah. So you have some time. So I've discovered that. So the evergreen part of it, actually, it's interesting. So it's not evergreen. I've got a question forever. for you, Stevie. You're a prolific producer of podcasters. What for you is the benefit of podcasting versus other media? Uh, we don't have time for that right now. But, <laughs> oh, come on. Just a short snap. Just, I mean, you know, I'm very vertical with Italian wine, right? So it's part of a community. Right. It's not just the podcast. Right. Right. Wine to wine. Like Juliana actually podcast is wine to wine every week. She has the learning objectives and then the takeaways. Half an hour. It's a wine to wine format. We have the ambassadors corner, which are Italian wine ambassadors at large. Right. At rotation, they do clubhouse, unpopular um, social media at the moment, but incredible quality in terms of audio recording. So we kept that, and that 60 minutes. So it's long form for my standards. And I was like, who the hell's going to listen to 60 minutes of like very geeky stuff? Very loyal listeners. You know, we have a series every single day, right? So it's very different audience. And what I'm trying to do is it's part of a, you know, portfolio. Strategically, it's very different, I think, from like what MJ's doing. Maybe more similar to Adam. I'm just more fun. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So uh, it's part of Italian wine. So it's all about Italian wine. And I will do anything to promote Italian wine, as you guys know. So it is just part of a bigger picture, not just the podcast. Do we have any more questions? Yes. Aza. How is the Italian wine world reacting to the podcast? Have they understood Mm. the potential of podcast or not? Where are we? In Italian, there's a saying, nessuno è profeta in patria, okay? Which means no one's a prophet in its own land, right? Because also we podcast in English till today, even the, during Wine to Wine, producers have come to me and said, I've heard about Italian wine podcast. Where do I find it? Okay. And I'm like, you have a phone. It's on your phone. Okay, so I feel like the Italians are behind, but during the pandemic, that really accelerated everything. And now many, many people are doing podcasts. 
We are less popular in Italy. All our audience is mostly Anglophiles, mostly Americans, because we broadcast in English. Because my purpose is to promote Italian wine abroad. That makes sense. However, we have one series. It's called "Everybody Needs a Bit of Scienza." You know who Scienza is, right? Italian Scienza. You know the professor who looks like he's 100 years old. Okay, he does not speak one word of English. Okay, so I had to do this podcasting in Italian, and that actually helped us to bring in the Italian wine world. But definitely, Italian wine world is a little bit behind on podcasts. Everybody wants, of course, they all want to be the diva. They all want to be interviewed, right? They all want to be guests yeah. without even knowing what right. the program is about. Yeah, I would right? agree. From both sides, you know, our clients want to be on podcasts, and and we get requests as well. So yeah, I have to say, yeah. as, as a as a traditional journalist, you know, still working in in print, it's it's getting increasingly hard to get people to um, to agree to interviews for mm. for normal media. But podcasting, it's like a stampede. It's amazing. Okay, so uh, any more. I think we need to close it up. I just want to say one last thing that to dovetail. If you're thinking about starting a podcast, like Adam said, uh, audio equipment, like I came out the gate, put way too much of my own money into it, but I record in a studio with a producer, um, get a good microphone. And then also the number one thing is the consistency. You have to commit to your schedule. Even if you're going to do one a month, you, you, you everybody needs to know when that podcast is coming out um, because you are become a part of life but you can go away quickly. So be consistent and it help you build your community. That's what, like Steve said, the podcast,